0: Everyone, welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast where we recommend queer films, books, TV shows, and more. I'm Chris Bryant, a contemporary romance writer for Bold Strokes Books, and this week I'm recommending
1: a documentary from July. And I'm Tara Scott. I review sapphic fiction at The Lesbian Review and Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And this week I'm recommending a documentary that was released sometime this year. <laughs> I don't know when. <laughs> just... I didn't look that part up. Um, but We just want to take a minute, as always, to thank everyone who supports the show, you know, whether you sign up for the newsletter or if you send us money via coffee, we have links to both in the show notes. We actually want to give an extra special shout out this week to Gaia, who contributed to our coffee and uh, included a note that says, thanks for all the great recs and fun episodes, but most importantly, for standing with the writers and actors on strike. Here's my streaming subscription fee reinvested for a better cause. Thank you so, so much, Gaia. That is so lovely. We so appreciate it. And just Mm -hmm. for anybody who didn't listen to the last episode, in case you're like, what does that mean, standing with the writers and actors on strike? You know, Chris and I talked about it, and we think that what's been happening with the Hollywood strikes is terrible. Um, We absolutely want to stand in solidarity with them. And frankly, all of the labor movements happening right now, all of the strike actions... But in the case of the Hollywood strikes, which if, you know, we can more directly support, we are not promoting any struck work. So that's basically any films, TV shows that are, you know, have been in production or that are streaming. We're not talking about those. So we're talking about documentaries <laughs> today. <laughs> Both of us. Both of us. And uh probably for quite a while. <laughs> probably. <laughs> yes all right what's new what's, what's new what's new? i did not go on vacation i didn't talk about it uh <laughs> last time but i was supposed to go on vacation and the reason i didn't talk about it is that i never think it's a smart idea to say hey everybody my house is empty come rob it but <laughs> uh we were supposed to as a family fly out to visit my mother-in-law and then and also my sister-in-law and her family live quite close by I can't remember if we talked about it before on the show, but I uh, am migraine prone. Uh, I get these cute little migraines two to four times a month. And that morning I was pretty sure I was having one. I was like, you know what? I'll just take my meds. It's going to be fine. But they've really started being a real problem during the pandemic, which means I was always able to deal with them at home. Right. Like, I'm not going to the office. I don't have to worry about driving. I'm not so... You know, I take my meds and I just chill out for a while. I learned that when I push myself too hard, like say Mm. walking across an airport, that maybe I get new symptoms that are scary Mm. (laughs) and I got to go to the hospital instead because there was a little like, we don't think it's a stroke, but like if this is new for you, yeah, (laughs) so I've spent the last week still on vacation. I mean, I still took the time off. I could Mm. have technically just said, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to go back to work. And I was like, no, I think my body's also telling me like, just lay down for a week.
0: Yeah, I think so too.
1: So I did. And it actually was super lovely. Like I'm still bummed that we didn't get to go and visit family because I live in a place that I've spent very little time. Like I've been to that city before, but only for like 36 hours. So I was like, Awesome, I'm gonna go explore, it's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna learn new place. but nope. also no, nope, I'm not I'm gonna nope. lay on the couch, I'm gonna watch the most ridiculous Bollywood movie. <laughs> well, one of the most ridiculous ever. I'm going to make art. I'm going to listen the to fuck podcasts. You are. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like I did get to start a new workout program. That's pretty, that's been pretty great too. But Sounds like good. mostly just relax and chill out. And Actually, all of the things that I'm going to talk about in the actually all of the media I'm going to talk about, regardless of like the recommendation and the what I've been reading and watching is kind of my like, what did I do on my summer vacation? <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Woo! Uh, yeah. And also, like, I work at a tech company that has unlimited vacation policy, but like they actually mean it like you can't be an asshole and say, and I'm just on vacation for the rest of my life. <laughs> But I can take this vacation and then, like, rebook later on when we need to. So that's what I'm going to do. Um, yeah. Not cute. Mm, but, you. you know. Thank you. Well, you
0: have the energy today, so I love that.
1: I have too much energy today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We've been trying to record for an hour, but we keep talking and getting off topic.
1: Yeah. And
0: much. Tara's extremely excited about today.
1: My ADHD is all over the place. And I just
0: went to sleep. I've had like a super stressful week. Yeah. And uh, so like uh, my sleep patterns were off all week. And so Mm -hmm. it's Sunday. I went kayaking at the lake Mm -hmm. and I finally got the trailer going. It's up and going. Um, I had to get it licensed. So like I I registered it and I'm like, Mm -hmm. I kept calling like where's the the license plate where's my license plate and they're like oh well you register you registered the trailer but you didn't get a light it didn't apply for a license plate and i'm like that doesn't fucking make sense like i went up there for all of this and yeah it, why it was would this they ridiculous it was just oh. Uh, do DMV. people
1: register things just to let them sit in their driveway yes
0: they do why so well i mean a lot of people probably don't and that's the problem i mean uh. i don't know if you're if so here in the United States, like it is cheaper to pay a fine than it is to pay tax. They want taxes. They want you to pay taxes uh, okay. on whatever it is, like a car. Like mm-hmm. I have seen, we play this game at work, the engineers. We tried to find like the um, the person who has the temporary tags the longest amount of time. <laughs> so for example, like I think I think one of our guys saw a temporary license plate from March of 2021. Whoa. So you get 30 to 90 days depending Mm -hmm. on where you buy the car. And and it's a lot easier, it's a lot cheaper to pay for the fines than it is to actually pay the sales tax on things. So that's the Mm. mentality we have since COVID. So um but I Hmm. I wanted to I wanted to be legal because I was already scared about like pulling a 14 foot trailer behind, and uh so I was a little nervous. And so I was like, Mm -hmm. well. I'm going to do this legally. <laughs> so yes. I, I finally got the license plate on Wednesday. So I was able to drive it to the lake and it did really well. I was surprised that it wasn't really as hard as I thought it was going to be.
1: That's so, awesome.
0: And like we're under heat advisory. So we went first thing in the morning, like mm-hmm. super early and then I was like I'm hot <laughs> I
1: need to go home <laughs> so and the weather um, said yeah we told yeah, you yeah we knew that
0: <laughs> exact like the heat excessive warning it's like over 100 here and like the mm. like basically it's it's awful it's just awful so um much. yeah so it was a big week for me so I mm-hmm. did that I was able to and I oh I got I got personalized license plates which I've never done in my entire life but i just decided to do something really sweet so i did so oh that's fun um, and then one of my friends came into town tegan came into town who listens to our podcast
1: and, and who is also an author
0: right Auth- also an author and also with bsb both books
1: and we so have the same that... editor oh do you really yeah, yeah so for yeah. people that don't know tegan's last name is shepherd go grab some books
0: Yes. So Tegan came in town and Tegan's a foodie. And I'm like, hmm. well, we for sure have to have really good barbecue. So oh, we yes. went to Jack Stack Barbecue Monday night. And then Tuesday night, uh, we went to this restaurant down in Parkville where my dad lives. And it's a restaurant called Acre. And it's actually, mm-hmm. uh, I don't, it's not farm to table type thing. You would think that that was, I, I don't even know what to describe it, but it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like Like they have the best cocktails and like just the best food it was just Mm. it was a great time so we got a lot of smaller plates because we ate so much the night before that we were both just like (laughs) done with food but i think tegan really liked it so yeah um she was in town to do some work and it was it was cute because she was like well i have to stay up near the airport but i'm doing some work in lawrence and lawrence is like 40 minutes 40 miles away from kansas city and i'm like that's that's gonna take you like 40 minutes to drive there because it's 40 Mm -hmm. miles so and you'll have to like it's just easier probably to just find a hotel there because Lawrence is like a it's KU it's it's University of Kansas it's a college town okay yeah huge it's like it's really cool to stay there Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: she's like well first of all I live in DC so 40 minutes is like seven miles for me so uh so the time and the mileage was nothing whereas i was like panicking for her going yeah oh, my gosh, you're gonna have to drive 40 minutes yeah um and then also i guess her her company wants her to stay up closer to the airport you know in and out like whatever so okay
1: company but that's policies are so weird sometimes
0: well and you know why we have to have policies it's the same reason why we have to have no, you know notices on mattresses and you know please don't stick baby please don't put the baby in the microwave or whatever i mean we have to have these warnings because people Mm -hmm. are stupid and they abuse things Mm -hmm. so like with our company uh we don't really have rules but a lot of people have been talked to for using their credit card you know for like whatever strippers you know really expensive are you serious they're using their company credit
1: card oh yeah oh yeah this is like the good old
0: boy school here yeah well, <laughs> and they can stay wherever they want. You know, and I'm always like when I travel for work, I'm always like, "Uh, uh let's try to find something cheap. I'll go to like hotels.com. Yeah. You know, I try to like be, you know, cognizant of like pricing and and just
1: Yeah. You know, try treat, not, treat not to treat it like it's your own write. money."
0: Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I'm the only one that, with that attitude. So, and that's, that's why I have the wild. highest I have the highest credit limit <laughs> because yeah. I don't abuse it. But then you have people who abuse it and then they have to have a policy. So that's how that works. Yeah. I'm sure that's how it was. Like her company probably had the same problem where people were just like, I'm gonna stay at the Ritz or whatever for
1: yeah,
0: you know, five days to do a one hour job. So that's wild.
1: Yeah. My brain's still stuck on your co-workers being so stupid that they spend the money on strippers. You know, we have customers that come in town,
0: and like it's it's
1: whatever they oh, want type thing. Never so, mind. I know what yeah. you're talking about. So, I mean, I haven't been part of workplace cultures like that because Ugh. I I've worked in tech my Auxic, whole career. Yes. Not to say that there are some people in tech that wouldn't do that. I suspect it's more like sales reps, like that kind of right. a situation. Mm-hmm. But I do live in Calgary, where like our city is most when people think of calgary they're either like i know nothing about it or they know about the stampede it tends to be one or the other. i know about the stampede because of you (laughs) oh yeah i think i've told you my best stampede stories already but it's like it's basically the two-week hedonism time and and it's a big oil and gas city here it's kind of not unlike it's it's kind of like canada's houston i think in some ways but like (laughs) slightly cooler and more liberal so a little more like it's like an Austin-Houston slash, like it's okay. a little cooler like Austin, but like oil city like Houston. So that is the big like, yep, lots of money gets pushed into taking clients out for things and perhaps mm-hmm. the things you go out to include lots of booze and maybe some strippers. Um, who can say only all the people that work for those companies, they will tell you <laughs> they're the ones that can say. Oh, yeah. And it's funny
0: because the women in the office, I mean, we're just brutal behind their backs. It's hilarious. Some of the things we say, I i absolutely, like, I have some of the best coworkers, workers uh, mm-hmm. friends. So mm-hmm. the things that we say, oh my goodness. Yeah. Corporate America.
1: Yeah. Never <laughs> let get those texts out in the just, world. I
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: all Um, right what else is going on in more serious news and honestly like it's Mm. so so disappointing but i feel like we can't address it a league of their own season two is not happening it's been canceled yeah even when it was announced wasn't it only four episodes it was something real small like three or six i remember the number going well why even bother i mean it was just it was it's like
0: just make a movie and and
1: you know and be done with i know it was so like it was insulting in the first place but now it's just been canceled outright and there's an so amazon prime was the producer and i saw an announcement they were they canceled something else too and are blaming it on the strikes and i mean my first thought was like is this happening because of the strikes and i think what helped me immediately recontextualize it is i follow abby jacobson on instagram mm-hmm. probably a lot of us do and she's the she's the star and one of the producers and she flat out called it bullshit to blame it That's on right. and it yeah. was like oh right oh right amazon has so much money They <laughs> <but laughs> they have an ungodly amount of money they can surely afford to do somewhere between three and six episodes of this show even if it's not all part of the studios but it's just man fuck amazon like it's so so unfair and unfortunate but i think you know what they had in that first season was so special it was so beautiful and getting such clear and wonderful queer representation Mm -hmm. and not just Black representation, but I loved that the show made a choice that they were going to show Black joy and not Black oppression. Like, yes, right. we saw that there was racism. Like, there was enough right. that it was a reminder that, like, hey, guess what? 1940s sucked in a lot of ways. But I don't know. I just think it was so special and it was so wonderful. And fuck them. But also, I think I might want to watch it again. <laughs> this is a... Right. It's, oh, yeah, for sure. it's... Yeah. I think the tug for me is, well, then I'm giving more into more of my eyes to Amazon Prime. But mm-hmm. it's not the actor's fault. It's not the showrunner's fault. And it's, they did make something beautiful.
0: Uh, right. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, I follow a lot of people. I mean, herbers, you know, we're
1: mm-hmm.
0: have been trying to get the show back, you know, and we're so far removed now. You know, the actors mm-hmm. have gone on to do other things, but war are none. Worry or none, boy. That's oh tough yeah. To say so that got um you know that was a, there was a real big push when that got canceled, mm-hmm. real big push, and I mean so much was on social media about it. And I, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, they actually got like a movie or two movies. Like, oh, so cool. they so it's coming back at in movie format. So yeah, instead of you know the series. So
1: yeah, it reminds me of mm-hmm. Firefly. Did that? Oh, did they? Firefly. I mean, Joss Whedon is problematic in a number of ways and right. I have no time for him and I'm not going back to any of his stuff again. But Firefly was so well-loved but never really given a chance. Like, mm-hmm. Fox really fucked around with it. And so there was this, like... Incredibly loyal fan base, despite Mm -hmm. it not having a ton of episodes, being aired out of order, changing up the dates that they aired it. But they did get a movie to finish it, and then Farscape was the other one that I'm reminded of. Did you ever watch that? No. Oh man, somebody needs to make a gay Farscape. That's what was missing from it. It's a sci-fi show. It was pretty Mm -hmm. cheesy, but like I loved it. Like there was a lot about the writing (laughs) that I loved and the characters that I loved, and it ended on a cliffhanger. And there was this like. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> what, 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 what? What happened? Like literally, I think two of the characters are frozen or something like that. Just is like, I, I I need to know. And I think I don't know how they got it made. They ended it on a mini series, and I think it might have just been like some rich person that I'd have to like look it up to make sure this is true. So mm-hmm. take this with the gigantic, like not just a grain of salt, but like maybe like a a <laughs> uh, like a a rock of salt, <laughs> salt rock, <walk>, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the whole salt rock. Take it with one of those. But I think it was somebody who was, like, fairly wealthy and really wanted to know how it all ended. Right. It's kind of the urban legend around it. And so they paid for it. And it's like, why can't we get more of these billionaire heroes? Can we get a billion? All right, you billionaires and millionaires who definitely listen to the show. Pony up and pay for this show to be finished, please. I want (laughs) to know what was going to happen next. I want that as well. I think a lot of people do.
0: And Mm -hmm. deservedly so. I mean... I always yes. hate that. Like if I get invested in a show and then like they don't renew a second season. I'm like, Come on. Come mm-hmm. on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have. a. am pretty. I'm the kind of person that if I start watching a show, it gets canceled. So I'm sorry, but it's my fault. Everything. Oh, is my,
1: no, yeah,
0: you did. It's my fault.
1: <laughs> oh, no.
0: All <laughs> so right. Once I get invested. I'm like, yes. and I'm like, oh, son of a
1: bitch. You best. So, I know. Yeah. Well, then you think. The shows that actually make it to their natural conclusion. It's so hard to get like that good, perfect ending. Mm -hmm. But when it hits, like I was talking... Who was I talking to in the last week? It was probably one of my best friends. That's the other thing I did on my summer vacation. I connected with my best friends who like are injured or recovering from surgery. So they can't do a lot anyway. (laughs) So I just like went and laid on the couch. (laughs) Um, We were talking about... The Good Place and that ending, like I sobbed. oh don't tell me. Have Have you seen it? it?
0: No, I'm watching it. You're watching The Good Place. Yes, I'm
1: watching The Good Place. I mean,
0: I'm like, it's one of those where it's on. It's like, oh yeah, I need to pick this back up. But I've watched several episodes. So many people have told me to watch that show. So many people.
1: I. Oh my god, the ending is so moving and it's perfect.
0: Like I cry at everything. So
1: it's it's a perfect ending okay I get choked up thinking about it oh look at you you are it's so perfect (laughs) it's so like you'll when you get there you're gonna know what I'm talking about okay um but like how many endings like that do we not get because shows get canceled too early like they're not all gonna stick the landing quite that well but like some of them would we've we've talked about this before how
0: something happened in my lifetime where all of a sudden they they ended shows with cliffhangers
1: mm-hmm. you know it
0: used to be where every the season just rounded up nicely you know yeah. and then that way if it didn't like renew then you were like oh well shit mm-hmm. that's over but it was a good ending and everything you know all the things were tied up but then something yeah. happened in my lifetime where that stopped and so they did the mm-hmm. cl- maybe it's just because they start they started making more and more shows and it was a fight for network ratings i don't know but it's
1: a good question i mean the thing with yeah. cliffhangers too is that it it is almost like it's they're playing chicken i think mm-hmm. with the networks i was about to say it's an invitation it's much more than an invitation i do think they're playing chicken with the networks and saying come on motherfuckers renew us people oh. want to know what's going to happen next that's my guess mm. well like um, so
0: maybe it all started with dallas and who shot jr was that a cliffhanger i don't know i was too young but people talk about it all the time and you're like what the hell is dallas well it used to be like a night well time i know opera.
1: <laughs> i know what it was because my mom watched it but i was i i was actually like literally i was too young right um, too to watch it old. like i don't know when that would have aired but i think it would have been the 80s right i think so like, like i'm looking right now i'm looking okay right good now. i am i'm looking well i'm mostly curious it, about if i was in grade said, school or if i was a toddler
0: it, it was aired ultimately in the Who Done It episode which aired on november 21st 1980 the person oh. who pulled the trigger well now i know who killed him or who i shot was
1: him. i was a year old <laughs> so <laughs>
0: yeah so uh, if uh, so i did that, watch it i maybe it? watched
1: it maybe i was awake and not asleep at that point but i did not i was not making memories right uh- <laughs> right
0: yeah so i don't know if there was like like yeah, a, that was a, a whole summer changer. or something yeah like it so i don't know if like a whole summer and everybody was like who shot jr i just remember like that was a big thing in pot and culture and, and mm-hmm. social
1: That's yeah because i didn't watch
0: tv until i was much older um, but it's yeah, making so. me
1: think of It's making me think of Twin Peaks because Twin Peaks, the whole concept was who killed Laura Palmer. And so it's almost this like it's maybe it's silly to say, but for some reason, my brain just keeps wanting me to say, like, it's like you're starting with a cliffhanger. It's like, no, that's called a premise. That's called a premise. (laughs) But when the first season ended, they still didn't know. Who oh, had see, done things it. like
0: that that bought see lost did that and it's screwed with look at us we're talking about things we shouldn't be talking about
1: Eh, it's our eh. podcast <laughs> so Chris yeah. what have so you yes. been reading uh, or watching lately well
0: okay so let me tell you all that alone is over like so oh. remember I told you last time it was like three guys uh one guy I did not like I wanted him to not win and he luckily win? he didn't no yay yay I was like thank god yeah. So he he did not win. But so the last two I was okay with either guy, but by the end right. of the episode, I wanted the other guy to win. Like hmm. he just he was just he could have stayed there forever. Like he was having the greatest time. He
1: and I finally still be just said
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he could have lasted. And I, I just think he was just like, well, okay, I've done everything here. And he like had some demons. He, he said, I left some demons behind in the ice mm. and stuff. So he, we kind of wanted him to, to win. So the other guy did. And he was fine too. I mean, it was a teacher. Yeah. He was, he was pleasant to, to, you know, to watch. So like right on the heels of the uh, final episode of that is they aired the alone Australia episode. Ooh. It's in Australia. <laughs> so let me tell you so it's like we're on day like three two or three and three people have dropped out like this place is already miserable yes this place it's like tasmania somewhere it's like it's it just Uh. is awful everything is wet it's a bog Mm -hmm. there's like like it rains all the time it rains Mm -hmm. like 300 days out of the year and like the provincial bird is the mosquito yes yes exactly it's it was that bad and mm-hmm. so two people were just like fuck it no i'm not doing this and one kid got covid
1: oh shit they showed up with covid and didn't know Yeah,
0: did not know he's like he's oh, on day two God. and he's like i'm so wee and it was a kid he's like 22 and he's like he yeah would you gotta have go had it. you know he was like i'm 22 i don't have a family you know he a lot of times you know what this show mm-hmm. does is it it really makes you think about your life and your, your relationships and everything. And he's like, I'm a kid. I'm 22 years old. I don't have to worry about a family or, mm-hmm. you know, so he wasn't, wor- you know, he, he was going to do it. And uh, no, he got COVID and had to go home. <laughs> so, That's yeah. sad. So So yeah, let's see. And also down here, NFL preseason. So I've been watching a lot of games and here's the reason why, like, I, first of all, we all know I love football and I've really gotten, uh, uh, I really gotten into, uh, football cards. So anyway, so I have been collecting football cards. So this season and, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just more aware of it, but they Mm -hmm. have a ton of good quarterbacks. Like a lot of oh. quarterbacks out of, out of school, out of college now, mm-hmm. like huge, huge quarterbacks. And so like I have like over all over the place. Yeah. Just from all different schools. Like somehow but, like that was the, that was the, the big thing in the draft, hmm. a bunch of really good quarterbacks. People were drafting them. I'm going to say there's probably like six really good ones. So that never happens. At least I don't Whoa. recall it happening. So we have six really good quarterbacks and we, and I already have the best quarterback, Patrick Mahomes so I kind of I like to follow like the new kids and see you know if they're gonna make it or not and so preseason fun. is fun because you get to see them you know you get to see all of them because yeah. everybody's fighting for a spot on the roster
1: so, so how many games are you watching um, in, in, in a week so <laughs> guys I'm like yeah. Um, did I just it, like would you be more comfortable if I asked you to take your top off right now like is that too <laughs> revealing a question <laughs>
0: um well so I'm only watching like just a little bit because what they do is in preseason they play the starters for like a quarter or even just a drive like one single you know march down the field mm-hmm. um and then they put in the people the like Kansas City Chiefs we have four quarterbacks why the hell do we need four quarterbacks But they're going to whittle it down. So people are fighting for spots on the roster. Like most teams now have like maybe 90 or 95 players. And by the end of it, they have to be in the fifties. Like, so they have to cut a lot of people. So a lot of people are vying for, for positions on teams. And so they have these hotshots coming out of college. And, Mm. um, and I have a lot of their like special kind of, uh, rookie cards, not just the normal ones, but the stuff Mm -hmm. that would go for a lot of money. And so I'm learning how to, you know, get it prepared and get, send it away to get it uh, graded because the graded cards are a lot more money because you have a professional that goes through and gives you the quality, the, Mm -hmm. they give you a number of the actual player and that's worth a lot more money. So I'm just sitting back going, come on, kids, do your thing. Do great (laughs) things, you know, do good because each rookie card, I mean, like, so here's something. And I might have mentioned this before, like there is mm-hmm. one card that sold a Patrick Mahomes card that sold. It was like a one of one type card and it sold for 4.3 million.
1: Like what? I'm never
0: going to get that money, but I could get a couple thousand if it's really good. Like if, if these kids come up in a couple of years, they do really well oh, like wow. Patrick has and like his cards are going for a lot of money
1: right now. This is where I'm glad that we don't do this podcast for money because it tells me that if you get like a $2 million (laughs) card, you're still going to (laughs) podcast with me.
0: (laughs) I am. But okay, so like even, okay, so Arch Manning, like you're going, this is, so your your ADHD is kicking in. My ADD is kicking in. So (laughs) like Arch Manning, he, you know, Mm -hmm. Peyton Manning, you've heard of Peyton Manning. I have, yes. And Eli Manning. Okay, so so
1: little known fact about me, there was like a solid probably two year period where I actually watched football very regularly. I learned what it was all about because of my friend, Ed, who I think I've mentioned before. He's so lovely. He reads sapphic fiction, like quite a lot of it. He listens Mm -hmm. to the podcast all the time. Hey, Ed. Um, And so I met Ed because I was friends with, see, this is the ADHD thing. I'm telling you way more detail than you need to know. (laughs) Um, But I met him through his wife at the time who I had been friends with. And like, she would work on Sundays and after church, that was when I still went i would just go and watch football with him nice and so like it was great but then i got married and neil doesn't watch sports like we don't we don't do the sports thing so i know (laughs) yeah i i knew because peyton manning was playing then Mm. it was like 20 no it was like 2007 around there so whoever was playing in 2007 i was familiar with them at the time and if they were big enough i'm still familiar with them that's true
0: Well, so Peyton and Eli have another brother named Cooper and uh, he has kids and Arch Manning is starting. He's a Texas Longhorn freshman year, just started freshman year. So there's like a lot of hype about Arch Manning Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: on the Panini site, which is a very popular um, sports card place. It's like one of the top ones. Uh, okay. you know, baseball is like tops. And then, uh, Panini does uh, a lot of different, like they have a whole bunch of different categories, mosaic, like hmm. illusions, all this stuff. Anyway. So they did a, They had a one-off for Arch Manning, just like his, his, just one card,
1: um, yeah.
0: that he signed and there was an auction, an online auction for this card and the card oh sold for $102,000. Like, and that was just one card. Like it, it's like, Whoa. like this is like, like, huh you know me, I'm always looking for the quickest hustle. So um, yeah. So, so I, I like during COVID, I got a pack of uh, of football cards and I don't remember why. And I got a Patrick Mahomes rookie card and that, that gave me, that gave me the buzz I needed. So now now I'm really into it. So I've been watching more preseason than I ever have in my entire life, only because I want to Mm -hmm. make sure that these kids Do well because I have some really cool rookie cards that I'm looking to sell at some point. So I would say I have been watching at least a quarter of like the preseason games. Like everybody plays. We have 32 teams, so everybody plays. And so it's really interesting because in preseason they had like Thursday night game. They had several on Friday night. They had a ton on Saturday, and they had some on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So it's just right now it's just it's just like we're just cleaning house. Where everybody, all the teams are cleaning house. They're trying to tighten up their roster. And yeah, so I'm
1: just, I feel like, I feel like I understand the point of preseason now.
0: Yes. (laughs) I don't think I knew that. Oh yeah. So that's what it is. It's just a clean house. It's just to figure out who can really make it in the NFL. And so like, Mm -hmm. like one quarterback that everybody is just like, this kid's going to go far. And Bryce Young is his name. And he was like the number one draft pick and Mm -hmm. he's like five ten, He's a quarterback, which blows my mind. But anyway, like his first preseason game, he sucked. And like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: like, even like, way back in the day, and I just watched this documentary, too, because I'm watching documentaries. And it's mm-hmm. uh, Johnny Football, who was Johnny Manziel. And he like, that is a hot mess of a, of a kid. But anyway, oh. um, yeah, he uh he did really well in college, and he never like studied plays or anything. And He got to NFL and it was just too much for him. And he just like partied and didn't go to games and stuff. Mm -hmm, So he got mm -hmm. canned. But anyway, so you just never know who's really going to make it. And a lot of Heisman Trophy winners don't always make it. Like they're super great in college. They do really well. But when you get to the pressure and the level of of play that happens at NFL, it's it's a whole different ballgame, literally. And some kids just don't make it and they can't handle the stress or, you know, it's just, yeah. Is it
1: the celebrity you think?
0: I don't, I think with Johnny Manziel, for sure it was, but for Mm -hmm. the rest of the kids, I just don't think, I mean, you're talking like, these are some big men, like you have the best of the best of the best playing NFL. And you have this like 21, 22 year old kid that comes in and you've got these like 380 pound linebackers that are coming to get you. It's just, it's, it's different. It is different. So I think a lot of quarterbacks too, I think they kind of are Mm. raised a certain, a different way. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm sure like, I'm sure the Manning kid is never going to ever like step out of line. Like Arch Manning will never step out of line. So I just feel like, I think a lot of people who are like going to be quarterbacks, I feel like they have a, they follow a different path than some of the other NFLers. I could be wrong, but that's just my take. And it's our podcast and I can say,
1: (laughs) no, it's true. Well, and I think somebody like even, even me, a non-sports watching person can guess that when you're raised a Manning. Like when you're raised (laughs) in football royalty, you probably have a better understanding than anybody else who's going to come up alongside him Mm -hmm. of what it's actually like in the NFL. Cause guess what? You've been going to games all your life. Like you've been there. You've been part Mm -hmm. of it. You've seen like, you've seen the media machine that's around your uncles. You've seen, you know, all of that. So, huh. all right. Well, let us know how he does. (laughs) Yes.
0: I'm, I'm kind of excited for a bunch of kids. So I'll, mm-hmm. I'll let you know how it goes. And, uh, and also I'm an, I just am starting edits on, uh, somebody else's sapphic book. Hmm. Oh, I kind of wanted to read it and I offered my services, which is something I never do. I was going to say, did I didn't think you did
1: that. I don't, I
0: don't but I'm like, Hey, I'm going to read your book. Hey, do you need some help? I can, yeah. I can help you with edits. And i really okay. like
1: this oh pr- <gasps> <Yeah. laughs> i think i know i might know which one it is you don't maybe i can't I'm say. almost positive oh. i do
0: okay so tara what have you been reading and watching
1: lately well i have been taking in a bunch of media from my couch <laughs> this week during vacation I- week during vacation week, I played a whole video game. I think it's about 12 to 15 hours. I played it in three days. I played like four and a half, five hour chunks because it just like, there was something about it that hooked me. It might've been the cannabis edible. Who can say? Surely not me. (laughs) But the premise is that you wake up, And you are a witch in your little witch's cottage, and you kind of go outside, and there is this infernal goat there, so this, like, devil goat, and they're Mm -hmm. like, hey, guess what? And you're like, what? And they say, you signed a contract. You're going to go get me 12 souls, and you're like, well, who the fuck are you? (laughs) Well, it doesn't matter. You have to go get them. And what I thought was really interesting, each soul is a quest, if you will. I think they call them chapters. And you're given, you're basically given four at a time that you have to go get. And what it really is, is like a gathering potion material. Like you're a witch, so you're gathering shit to to magically turn into other shit that you're going to then use to solve these quests. And Mm -hmm. so there's like all these little areas you can go to and you're going to pick up the stuff. And at first I was like, I just feel like I'm bouncing between areas over and over. Because it is like, you have to get ingredients one, two, three, and four. And they might all be from different regions. And you have to go to all the different Uh-oh. ones to collect yeah. them. And then you make the thing and then you give it to the person over and over and over. But by the end of about four and a half hours, then like you're just knocking down the quests. Cause they go like the one goes down and then two and then three and then mm-hmm. four and then you go back and get more. And the art is so beautiful. It's just it's from this like it's a little indie game studio in Toronto. So shout out to Canadian game makers. Alien Trap, and there's this twist at the end that is so lovely and and it's really poignant. It's not it's not lovely. It's poignant because it was like it was beautiful, but it was sad. And I just kind of was like, huh, wow, way to go, Alien Trap. Like that's it was a great game. I played it on our PS5. It's available on the Switch. I'm kind of assuming it's on all platforms. So people who liked a game it's not queer but it is lovely it's really wonderful do recommend it would be an official recommendation if it was queer but it's not mm. and then i'm looking st- at
0: the artwork by the way isn't I'm it beautiful at it, right now. it really is
1: yeah like there's something it's super cool yeah there's something simple but so beautiful about the art that i found really added to the whole experience and then, you know, I was kind of looking for my next treadmill show. We've talked about treadmill shows <laughs> a little. Oh, my friend Sarah calls them that because I was literally going to get on. I don't have a treadmill, but I have a stationary bike. And I was like, I need to work on this cardio. So I put on the big nailed it baking challenge. <laughs> have you seen nailed it?
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Like, <laughs> So funny. I haven't seen I all it. of it and it doesn't matter because like it's all there and it's so much fun. And I love Nicole Byer Like I listen mm-hmm. to some of her podcasts sometimes She's and her stand up. And, and I love the chemistry she has with Jacques. Like it's very much coworker vibes, but like you're my favorite coworker, <laughs> <laughs> which I think is really cute. And so what I think is so cool about this one, like I just stumbled on it. So for people that don't know, it's kind of like The Great British Bake Off or Great Canadian Baking Show, because it is like, you know, eight bakers who are competing against each other. But these people are like your typical nailed it contestants, people who want to be better bakers, who want to prove to other people. And what they've done is they've brought on two experts. And each episode, they teach them an essential technique for baking. And then at the end of every episode, the person who improved the least goes home. And so what I love about That's this cool. one, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not just about show your baking mastery. It's actually about learning and growth and change. And I think there's just something really lovely about that. So I watched the first episode, Ron Funch's. Do you know him, the comedian? I don't think so, huh? He's the guest Maybe. judge. He's so good. Is... He does a voice. He does the voice of King Shark in the show... If I talk slowly enough, I'll remember what it's called. The Joker's girlfriend. The sh- Harley Quinn. The Harley Quinn animated Harley show. Quinn. Yeah. So that's okay, why I just I looked him up. Girlfriend. I know. I yeah. He was so funny <laughs> in the judging portion. And it was like, it wasn't like mean funny. It was this like hilarious... Gentleness, I guess, with how he went about it. So mm-hmm. I really enjoyed that. I'm going to watch the rest of it. Last night, I finally decided to look up Matteo Lane on YouTube. He's a gay stand up comedian. And I know about him because Trixie and Katya have talked about him on a couple of things that I've seen them do, the drag queens. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I guess I'll start here. It was like one of the first things on his page is his advice special. It's like 30 minutes or so. And it's just right there on YouTube. You can watch the whole thing for free. And literally the whole time, it's just him taking audience questions so he can give advice to them. You know, like, when should I serve my husband divorce papers? (laughs) (laughs) One person, my favorite, the one that made me laugh the hardest was the person who said they got a note from their neighbors and they're wondering what to do. And it was like a handwritten note that said, if you can afford it, please buy some blinds (laughs) right (laughs) wow his advice on that one I died it was so funny it would have been an official recommendation but it is incredibly hard to talk about stand-up comedy yeah because you know we when we're doing our recommendations we're like diving into the actual guts of the materials of things and that doesn't Mm -hmm. work with stand-up because you just end up spoiling the best joke right right um but like if you have a spare half hour you want to laugh your ass off and and especially like a comedian who like just goes in on gay culture that's a great 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 one and then i read a book too can you believe it despite my broken reading brain this year i read a contemporary a contemporary romance called under the stars with you by jamie clevenger the one of the characters showed up i think in a previous book which i haven't read and it doesn't really matter like there was no problem at all knowing what was up with that so ty is in veterinary school they are non-binary and leslie is the other character she is a real estate agent she is a workaholic and she is terrified of horses but also used to be kind of a horse girl growing up and wants to not be terrified of horses anymore and ty loves horses and is boarding a couple one for her one for her cousin with leslie's best friends and so that's how they kind of end up getting into each other's orbit but here here hmm. i've introduced you to the characters let me step back to the premise this is actually a second chance romance oh because they had connected on like an online sex website specifically i don't mean like a like a tinder or grinder or anything like that i mean like you sign up on this site so that you can like just sext each other and oh, wow. they did okay. that for months and Leslie was very like, nope, my reputation can't handle this getting out into the world. And so something happened basically, so that Ty found out Leslie's full actual real name. Leslie freaked out, said, "Forget all about me." Oh, That's it. We're not just, and like uh... cut it off hard. And then like later, I can't remember how much later, like maybe a month or a few months or something like that. They end up meeting at this open house and then, you know, sort of this, like, can you teach me to be less afraid of horses? And then it's like, you should know that I am. And then oh, there was like the yeah. online handle. <laughs> mm. And so it, it isn't like this because I was a little afraid there would be this, like, you know, a hundred pages of holding this information back. And that would have right. that would have annoyed me the most. And so for other people who'd be annoyed by that, the one spoiler I will give is that doesn't happen actually. Ty is really wonderful about putting that information out there kind of earlier. And I had a good time. It nice. was yeah, it was perfect. it was a really it was a fun book. It was almost the recommendation. And then I saw that documentary and it knocked my fucking socks off. It
0: oh. had to be
1: the had, it had to be the official. Had to be. So if you're looking for ah. like a fun, sweet, spicy I did find it interesting that I saw one Goodreads comment that it was too kinky for them. And I was like, like, there's light kink, mm. I would say. Mm-hmm. So I guess if you don't like light, like the lightest of kink, maybe don't read that book. But otherwise, like, it's, it's, a, it's a really lovely contemporary romance. And if you're into, like, horses and horse racing specifically, because there's, I guess, some, like, Tevis race <laughs> in the States... I don't know
0: anything about horse. racing I don't racing know stuff. anything about
1: horses. You lost no. me. At horses.
0: I, I know nothing about horses.
1: I, it's I, like a. I guess it's I like just... a hundred mile, incredibly grueling. What? It's like a. It's like a horse extreme sport or something. It's <laughs> endurance sounds racing. Awful.
0: Like let's just put the horses through some shit.
1: Yeah. Like you. Yeah. I think the thing that really came across for me, and in the in the author's note, you know, it does say that the author draws from like jamie clevenger draws from that i don't actually know this person's pronouns so i'm gonna say there just in case so the author draws kind of from their experience of crewing on there and and what i really appreciated about the book is that it makes it very clear that like you need to be in the right shape and your horse needs to be in the right shape like you do not fuck around with this race because it can be deadly for both of you and wow. so i think it was like i would love a documentary about it actually i might go look and see if there is a documentary hmm. about it because like i'd never want to do it but i have a lot of respect for people who take that kind of thing seriously and i don't know we all have our thing that we want to right i'm fine so. with
0: like if somebody wants to push themselves you know th- yeah. themselves personally but i have a problem with pushing a horse that yeah. way i mean well i think that's why i
1: mean i know they have vet I checks am. along the way and they have like, like what's a horse gonna the- say
0: you know what if my back fucking hurts like can we yeah. just can we end i mean
1: sharon can know. we can we take a break now please because <laughs> I'm, I'm tired I'm not i need it in this yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> so mm-hmm. yeah mm. yeah fair okay fair, fair enough <laughs> all right chris <laughs> yes what's your official recommendation this week
0: so my official recommendation is another music documentary it's on netflix and it's called wham yeah exclamation point wham just like the band and that's just exactly like- what it is yes First of all, I have no idea why it took so long for this to come out, because the narrators are in fact the members of WHAM. So we have George Michael and we have and we have Andrew Ridgeley. I think that's and name. George
1: Michael's been dead for a long time. Hasn't he? He's been dead since two thousand sixteen. So this documentary
0: is like has been sitting on a shelf somewhere Whoa. for a very long time. And it but and it's only about WHAM. Like it's mm-hmm. it it talks about like how George and he's greek and i can't pronounce his real name um so he shortened it to george michael and then how george and andrew met and how it became their mission they met when they were young like 11 Mm. i think george was 11 and andrew was 12 and by the time they were 18 they were like writing songs and like their first album was coming out at 18
1: whoa Whoa. yes yes And so,
0: you know, their whole goal was to create music and become uh, musicians, become pop stars. Andrew was kind of like a live in the moment type person. You know, he was very outgoing, very extrovert, whereas George was shyer and, uh, is shyer a word? More shy? Shyer? Whatever. It's our podcast. We can make up words here. I'm going to say he was (laughs) shyer than Andrew. Yeah. And was also kind of very meticulous. You know, you learned about like their differences in music and like i really didn't know anything about wham other than the music you know and like you say when we're kids we don't know anything but we did find out like like george finally admits to andrew when he's 19 that he's gay he's like hey Mm -hmm. i'm gay and andrew's like that's cool whatever we'll keep it under wraps you know we're best Mm -hmm. friends we'll we'll do our thing and um so that was kind of cool like he but he was like wham got big fast Mm -hmm. like it was their first album sucked and i was like what what songs were you know what I I like in my head I'm thinking everybody knows the wake me up before you go go mm-hmm. that song I mean that's kind of to me like who wham was and careless whisper that's right, the other Carole's one for whisper. me right so there's like they had like four number one hits from their second album which we'll talk about here in just a second but the first album was like not really good it was like I I would did any s- of
1: them end uh <laughs> like on the like did any of them end up charting yeah, they did. They did. They they ended up charting, but not
0: very not very hot. Yeah. Okay. And the problem is, like, they had one was like a I have to find what they actually called it because I was like, what? This doesn't even make sense. But it was like Wham Rap. There's a there's a song called Wham Rap, and what? it's kind of yes. Yeah, see, like there were some <laughs> there were some songs. So, and I'm like, what is? But we all kind of know it, and it yeah. was like like it's like Wham Bam I am. <laughs> and that's like like like, i kind of was like i i think i remember this song but like it didn't it didn't it didn't obviously do well and Mm. then they had another song which was young guns and you would know it if you heard it it's one of those you would you know
1: was it for the movie no no no. they wouldn't have been famous enough to been approached (laughs) like this okay
0: so you know it's and i know that you know it and i'm gonna go ahead and Mm -hmm. sing it because we're friends okay so it's like hey sucker. What the hell's got it? Do you remember that? No, you're like no.
1: I'm gonna listen to it on. I'll listen to it on Spotify later. You'll listen
0: to it and be like, oh my god, that song. So yeah, so so like their first album really wasn't great. It really Mm -hmm. wasn't. And they did the thing where they were 18 and they signed on the dotted line. They didn't have any rep, any management or anything, so they didn't make any money at all. Like they made like two percent on certain type of media and four percent on certain size records. But the, yeah. the records that were selling, they didn't make any money at all. So they had no money. They were successful, but had no money.
1: Mm-mm.
0: Okay, here it is, here it is. So their music was self-described as socially aware funk. Socially aware funk, like that's yeah, huh? Yeah, funk? that's funk. Their words, not mine, for sure. I would,
1: I would have thought they were pop.
0: Yeah. So, but pop was when their second album make it big was where we get the the wake me up before you go go and careless whisper and freedom and everything she wants yes so all those songs like that was so cool i mean every single time they played like that's you know either they Mm -hmm. played a a little piece of the video on mtv when mtv actually played videos like i would get chills i was like oh my gosh i remember these songs you know Mm -hmm. and even now there's a commercial here in the united states and it's for some car company where you sit in the car and the music comes on
1: mm-hmm.
0: and then you get out of the car and the music stops. And so there's this little girl sitting in the back seat. She's like three or four and she's giggling. Cause it's wake you wake me up before you go, go. And then like the dad would sit up, would sit in the chair and he goes jitterbug and he gets up <laughs> and the little girl starts laughing. And then he sits back down again. Yeah. it's Jitterbug. So anyway, so I will say that the cool thing about this documentary that you're going to love as Mm -hmm. well as their story um, was that Andrew's mother scrapbooked their entire career, their entire career. And they would show like what the documentary would do is they would talk about a certain time in the, their career. Mm -hmm. And then like, you would see the, the cutouts, like, like the mother, like had all the magazines cutouts and, and the, like tiger beat covers, like back Mm -hmm. in the day before the internet, you know, we had to go to magazines to get our, our pop. Yes. And I had like the center folds of like wham and Duran Duran and I had those. Yeah. So it was really cool to see like, she had like, and it would say like book 30. I mean, she was like very diligent about this, the scrapbook. And that was really cool to see like that made the documentary even more personable and a lot cooler than just like, here's a documentary about wham the rise and fall. And there really wasn't a fall like, and we don't know that, like, you know, when you're a kid and you're just like, oh, they Mm -hmm. broke up, something bad must have happened. And it wasn't something bad at all. And that was that to me was really Really? interesting. Yeah. See, we were under the impression that Wayne broke up because something bad happened. And it was just like they were just like Andrew was done. Like he was like Mm -hmm. the just party kid. Like he was always partying Mm -hmm. like his scrapbook they'd always have like all these things about he's a womanizer and he like had a bunch of sex with a bunch of women. And, and it was interesting because some of the uh, hosts of talk shows were talking to them, like they would have them on the show and they would like pressure them, like not even like question any sort of sexuality, just like, are you getting a lot of girls from your tour? You know, and you could see George mm-hmm. was like so uncomfortable, you know, and Andrew's like just being the best friend, like, uh, you know, and he's like, he's taking the attention to him, I yeah. think to pull away from George so it was a they had a farewell concert and it was just one concert it wasn't like a whole tour Mm -hmm. like they blew up fast and then Andrew's like I'm done and so George was like I'm gonna do a a solo career and then and this was nothing this had nothing to do with their um their solo career at all like it was just the however many years Wham was really in existence and I want to say it's like five years maybe four or five years that they Mm. were like like officially together and
1: how many albums did they do i think three or four so they're kind of like the go-go's like that because the go-go's also like exploded Mm -hmm. and then sort of disappeared and then they come back every so often but i mean in their case there was like there was not just one person that was tired there there was a a whole there was a thing there's a documentary about them go watch it it's great and explains (laughs) all of it (laughs) yeah
0: and yeah and so they they said that Wham was never going to get old like they both Mm. knew it was going to stay the group is going to be young You know, it was brotherhood, it was playful, and they Mm -hmm. were never going to get old. So when they split us, it was like they showed bits and pieces of different concerts, and they showed that concert, their very last one, their farewell concert. Mm. Just one. Like I said, I Mm -hmm. think that's great. If you're going to have a farewell concert, don't do a tour. Just have one concert. And like it was like a 100,000 people were in the stadium. You know, they were huge. George Michael really blew up because of, you know, Live Aid and Band Aid. Like yeah. all of that, like all these musicians really pumped him up. And Elton John loved George Michael, absolutely yeah. loved him and said nothing but great things. And yeah, so I think that like, if you love 80s music, because it is the best decade for music ever, it had the oh, most good. diverse music so that good. came out of any decade, like fight me on this. I'm right. 100%. Like, not I'm you not fight pe- me, but anybody Yeah, else. I was just to say, I
1: am not prepared to fight you because <laughs> I think I agree with That's you. True.
0: Yeah. I mean, think about how many offshoots from just the 80s music. Like, you could turn on anything. And, you like, I yeah. love that the radio back then was like, oh, look, it's The Cure. They'd have, like, some darker music. And mm-hmm. then they would have, like, Depeche Mode. And then you'd hear Madonna. And then you would hear Wham. And it was, like, it was so diverse. Like, the music yes. that they played on mainstream. Like, on one station. You could go to one station and hear all the music. And I love yeah. that. Anyway, so if you love 80s music and
1: like you kind of want to know what happened to wham
0: like what happened well like, did up? like what what was the deal
1: yeah what i want to know is did they stay in touch
0: yes they did they stayed in touch they were still friends um Good. they did stay in touch but again they don't really go past once wham right. ended they ended you know and of course i went down the rabbit hole because you, you have like to. george markle he had like great solo music his career i had to look it up because i went down the rabbit hole and he like made 120 million just off of his solo
1: career right oh my god yeah well i mean i remember the year faith came out Mm -hmm. that song was everywhere come on the video it was all about the video
0: do you remember the butt leather jacket that's how it started <laughs> it was like oh here's george michael's butt like that's yeah. how it started and that, that everybody great. knows that video for sure for sure mm-hmm. so for me like my favorite george michael song uh probably and it's kind of in my um like every so often i'll have alexa play it it's the uh freedom 90
1: oh that's it a has, great like, video song. yeah the video i'm, on looking, them the up on... models. I'm looking them yeah. up on spotify so i can have it remind me of what my favorite song great. is <laughs> So and it was uh, interesting
0: because like you find out the history of where Careless Whisper came from. Like the hit like they
1: they wrote that. He wrote that a long time ago. So, it's so like and it I mean the saxophone is cheesy, but it's still so good. Mm-hmm. I think father figure was also mm. so good.
0: Oh uh, yeah. He did. He had some great music. And you know, I like I liked Wham because it was fun and flirty mm-hmm. and very queer. I mean looking back yes you can see. well
1: yeah but back then, everything that. was
0: gender like the 80s like everybody was like nobody it was cared such it was like, a gender
1: fuck period right,
0: it really was
1: yeah and it was such an interest yeah it was an interesting time for music like that because you would get artists whether they were openly queer or not there was just this very big queering of the music scene right. and fluidity of gender presentation and so you have like yeah okay david bowie was openly queer but you saw like he was doing a lot of gender fuckery in the 70s and 80s oh for sure yeah prince <laughs> i don't know if, i don't know if prince was openly He's- queer but like he was fucking with the binary you see it kind of all over the place bl- and so yeah seeing them do it too it's just beautiful yeah well and he actually
0: didn't like he came out to andrew and a few close people uh when he was 19 mm-hmm. but he didn't actually come out out until 1980 no 1998
1: is and that when he was, was outed because yes. of the
0: arrest yes yeah. because yeah he was arrested for lewd conduct in public or something he was like cruising for dick or something and and a yeah. cop yeah a cop yeah so that whole thing was stupid but mm-hmm. he's like, I'm not embarrassed about my gayness. And he was very, he was very much an advocate for LGBTQ mm-hmm. rights, for, for gay rights, for even AIDS awareness. Mm-hmm. Like he, he very much pushed that. Yeah. So, um, but I, th- again, that was like, after the fact I, it was after the documentary ended and I was just like, so overwhelmed. I, I was like, I had to relive that because I had forgotten yeah. a lot of George Michael's stuff. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. So I I thought it was a great documentary. I think it was only like an hour and a half long and uh, everybody will get chills when they hear the songs that they were, you know, from mm-hmm. their youth from way back when it was just it was it was so lovely. It was very nice. It was nice to hear the true story of Wham.
1: I was planning on watching it anyway. And like, I'm definitely going to watch it. now. Like, I'm more excited to watch it now after hearing you talk about it. Yeah. And like I said,
0: what I do is I usually watch things twice. I Mm -hmm. watched it the first time just to watch it. It's like, is this, is this going to be something I want to recommend? Is this queer enough to recommend or whatever? And I was like, oh my God, like, how could I not want to because of the whole Mm -hmm. George Michael thing? And like back then we, nobody had information about anybody. There wasn't the internet. You couldn't just Google George Michael like I did last night or whatever it was and, and to get all the information about his, his personal life and how many people was he married to? And like, mm-hmm. when did he, cause so like, even as an adult, I'm watching, like, they have like bits and pieces of careless whisper of the video, but he's got a wedding ring on. And I like, when I was a kid, I never noticed that. Cause like, why would I notice it? Yeah. So, and so then I'm Googling, why is he wearing a wedding ring and on this video? So yeah. that's information we didn't have when we were younger, when Wham came out. So no. um yeah. So I think it's uh I think it's entertaining enough and it's um educational enough. I just think people like George Michael is such a um, so many people give him credit for especially the scene in London, just mm. for musicians and queerness in London. And I thought that was real interesting. I read somewhere like Matchbox 20 was like, you know george michael he's he's the shit he's the best thing ever you know right yeah Matchbox 20 right that's interesting oh and here's another thing so mm-hmm. george michael like his big thing was he it was really interesting because he had like goals like this is what we're gonna do this is what we're gonna do we're gonna have an album that has four number one songs You know, and Mm -hmm. Andrew's like, where's the beer? Let's find the babes. You know, it was like totally different. (laughs) Like even in Careless Whisper, like that was a song he'd been working on for years and years and years. And it took like 10 saxophone players to get the one he wanted. Like he was heavily involved in their music, the producing of it and everything. That was kind of cool. But there was something else I was going to say. Damn it. I forgot. I lost my turn. I got too excited.
1: Anyway, it's always a good sign.
0: It is. So watch the documentary. I think everybody Mm -hmm. here will like it. So, that was my recommendation. What is your official recommendation this week, Tara?
1: I feel like my official recommendation might be interestingly complimentary oh, to cool. yours, even though it's not about music at all. I'm recommending a documentary called All Man: The International Mail Story. Mm. So this is about this is all about the mail order catalog, international mail, which was huge. In the '80s and '90s, and it's only I think it's like 83 minutes or something like that, so it's quite short, mm-hmm. only very slightly shorter than your recommendation. But I remember, so I don't even know how I came across this, but I stumbled across it some at some point, probably when I was building one of our newsletters, because mm-hmm. um, I have to go and like research every time to get the stuff in the queer news section. And I was so intrigued by the premise that I just like left a tab open (laughs) on my browser. (laughs) And every time I went to close it, I'm like, no, I still think I want to like, no. And so I watched it last night and I was like, oh, shit. Okay. Oh, this is great. Oh, wait, no, I'm feeling feelings. What is happening? (laughs) Like I just, I had no idea what I was getting into with this one, but the the important thing to know is international mail, like I said, it's a mail order catalog from the 80s and 90s, and it was really focused on men. And so we get into kind of like who created it, mm. what were the various stages of it, and how did everything sort of collapse? But like, what was the enduring legacy of this thing? And so there is this man, Gene Buckard, he was gay. And I think the way he described it, it sounded like he first really sort of either figured out he was gay or got to really do much with it. During World War II, actually, when he was wow. um, stationed somewhere and they were like, hey, like, have you heard about this gay bar? Kind of like a let's go. And that sort of started with like his love affair with gay bars, I guess, because <laughs> after the war, he worked in Europe and he was like um, an ad ad salesman going over to like different places in different countries selling for, I think, like a beer company or something. But when he was in, I think it was in London, and I think he said it was in Carnaby Street. There was this, like, medical supply store, and he looked in the window, and he saw, what did he say it was called? It was, like, a suspender or something like that, but not, like, your typical, like, you know, like, suspenders that go over your shoulders. Mm-hmm. It's, like, for, for like, a dick and balls, I guess, somehow. Like, I don't, I guess, <laughs> like, if you need help holding your balls up, <laughs> um, it looks <laughs> weird. I looked at him, like, what are we, what? OK, well, now I got to look it up. So he will watch the documentary. It's in the first. Oh, yeah, ten minutes. OK, fair enough. Uh, <laughs> um, so but he looked at it and he's like, I think there's something here. Like it was kind of an inspiration for him. He ends up back in the States. He ends up in San Diego, which they explain at the time. It's like the 70s, I think. San Diego was like a pretty rough city. And I didn't really know this about it, but like yeah. it was a Navy city. Like it was a port. So it's like, you know, there were tattoo parlors and, you know, sex workers all over and drugs. And he lived in what they called gas uh, gasoline alley. It's called Vaseline alley because <laughs> it's the gay district. Right. <laughs> and, you know, he had this little medical device and he's like, I think there's a new kind of underwear there. And one of the things that make c- clear is that up until that point, men's fashion wasn't really a thing especially in the u.s men all wore the same thing like if you're working in a factory well then you're wearing the same kind of uniform you might have short sleeve button down shirt but like you're wearing the same thing if you're wearing suit and tie that kind of job it's everybody's wearing a white shirt if you're wearing a blue shirt you're a fucking weirdo like what are you doing everybody wears white shirts here and of course he's like well this is all boring and so he makes these like little underwear that you would never have seen in your life and thankfully I haven't seen up <laughs> close either but it's effectively like a it it looks kind of like a jock strap I guess hmm. but it, like it's not a cup but it's like you know like that kind of underwear where it's like it's a strap and then like a little bit of cloth to yeah, oh, okay yeah it's mm-hmm. a cup of dick and balls and he's trying to figure out how to sell them and again he's like doesn't have a lot of money living in this little house gay district of San Diego kind of like sweet and and he's trying to figure out where can he put ads in for mail order sales for this cuz that was like a big you know mm. before the internet right mail order was a thing where you would like clip a thing out of a magazine and send it in with your check and they would mail you whatever it is and he didn't most places wouldn't let him place the ad because it was just too weird too risque and he's like i know what i need to do What magazine has a large readership and is not afraid of risque stuff? Oh. This Playboy. Right. And sold like gangbusters. And so like, and was so so much, so he had to hire somebody. And so actually his like right hand in the business was a straight woman who had recently moved to town. She's a single mom. So she becomes kind of like an integral part of this. And then it turns into, you know, his vision grows and he's like, what about a cross between like a magazine and a catalog? And so it did. It turned into international mail, which was absolutely a mail order catalog, but it had more of like a magazine vibe to it, I guess. And his thing was, why do men's clothing, why does it have to be boring? And it ended up having this wide audience because he was very careful to sure the clothes might be flamboyant but the men never looked that way the men were always Hmm. these like big beefy masculine men but then you see like them in a mesh top and whatever and you look and you're like oh my god but there was enough plausible deniability that it like kind of worked and it ended up being all across the u.s and i think eventually maybe in the next stage it ended up in like 22 countries or something like that but like it thrived they had two stores they had a store in san diego they had a store in west hollywood and it may not be like the only influence for changing men's fashion because like when we look at men's fashion now it's not all not everybody wears even even if you're at a day job not everybody's in white shirts right with the same tie and all this but like it's kind of an essential part of fashion needs to change why does it have to be so boring and I was trying to remember because I sent I sent you the link before I started watching it and you're like "Ah, I've never heard of this before and I'm like (laughs) you a lesbian why did you never hear of this thing that all the gay boys read nope but there was something I was like I know I've heard of this before so in the movie they talk about where it's been referenced elsewhere and it's in Zoolander like that's hilarious (laughs) do you did you ever see that I saw bits and pieces of it yeah so the part it's a part oh, when seen the whole thing owen yeah. wilson's character says to to zoolander like and when you were in international <laughs> mail whatever <laughs> month of whatever year that inspired me to become a model and i was like oh my god that's hilarious that's it. and then the other i don't know if it gets called outright but like it's a very clear reference did you watch seinfeld much Bits and pe- I mean,
0: I've seen episodes. I know who everybody is, but I haven't. I'm not a diligent like every week watch it person. Are you
1: familiar with the pirate shirt? No. Oh my god! I'm gonna bring up Jerry okay. the pirate shirt <laughs> just so that people can hear your reaction. Oh my gosh! To it. <laughs> That's like a prince shirt. Yes. It's also like an almost exact replica. of a shirt that was in international mail and so i thought it was really interesting how they did this they interviewed a ton of people they interviewed gene he was still alive when they were filming like although it only came out this year he did pass away in 2020 but also Mm -hmm. can we talk about how incredible it is for for a gay man who was born in 1929 to live until 2020 right wow holy fuck so there's him, there's that woman who I said was kind of his business partner. Right. There's There were a bunch of people that worked in the business in all kinds of roles. They interviewed a lot of the models, most of whom were actually straight. There were only two kind of gay models in that mm. In that first period before they sold to Hanover, which was like a, another kind of like they owned a bunch of mail order magazines. When Gene decided he was out, he sold to them. But prior to that, you know, you talk to most most of them were were straight I think there were only two that they said were gay mm-hmm. you talked to various even celebrities who were reading it at the time Carson Kressley is probably the most mm-hmm. well-known he's one of the the regular judges on RuPaul's Drag Race like the main U.S. franchise but he also was you know the stylist in Queer, Queer Eye for Queer the Straight Eye. Guy mm-hmm. and you know really hearing kind of the impact of it was so interesting because one of the things that came across to me was that like because this is a thing that that they that they said, of course, but like, it was kind of the coming out resource for a generation of gay men. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, this catalog would arrive, and then you start flipping through it. And then it's like, oh, shit, there's a sexual awakening here. Like, the I think it's the lead singer. It was somebody from the, the Scissors sisters, but I think it's the lead singer. He was talking about his experience with with it and it was like oh first of all i didn't know he was gay i don't pay that much attention to sister sisters so but like <laughs> just hearing that was so good but the other thing i appreciated about that i actually probably most appreciated about the documentary is that it wasn't afraid to go in on some of the problematic things about it i'm sure there's some stuff that got missed but you know even the fact that it talks about how before it was sold before hanover took over there were very few black models and that was a choice because they felt like there was a correlation between like oh when a black model is wearing clothing it doesn't sell the clothing and so it's a very very white mm. set of models that they used. which changed later on you know Hanover was like no we need this to be more diverse because we know that you know we know black men are are buying these clothes they should be able to see them i mean they it's should be able bad. to see themselves too but also I thought it was really interesting addressing how, as much as it was absolutely a coming out, like really important for people coming out, it was also an important contributor to like shame and body dysmorphia Mm -hmm. for some of these gay men too. Because, you know, they look at these bodies and they're like, well, I don't have a body like that. How am I ever going to be able to get a body like that? That's not something I'm going to be able to do. And it was like such a refreshing surprise that it got addressed like directly head on it wasn't even like uh we're gonna dance around it nope and also getting into you know the company really lost its way when it was sold mm-hmm. because this company was like it's too risky having it be so gay you know we need to butcher it up a bit like throw some women in there with the men and then of course you know what does that do will you lose your gay audience right And so I I appreciated that it kind of, like, put all those things out there. I mentioned there was maybe some crying. shouldn't be Mm -hmm. a surprise when you're talking about something that covers the 80s and 90s. So, of course, you know, they do address AIDS. And that's why one of them even said, like, you can't interview these guys who worked here. Because they're not here anymore. Uh, And it showed, like i just watched it yesterday so i'm getting choked up again this is the podcast where Tara cries all the time apparently <laughs> but um they damn. showed photos of all the staff that died damn there were so many there were so many it was like shocking how, because when you think about <clears throat> when you think about a magazine like i didn't think there would be that many people working there right like yeah yeah you need a lot of people because you're buying the stuff you're you're buying the clothes you're selling them to the photographers or whatever but it was like It didn't matter what department it was in that magazine. Somebody died. Wow. Which was again, why it was such a surprise to realize like, oh man. And the founder lived that long. That's incredible. Mm -hmm. And even like their customer base, like the, the, at one of their stores, they had the guy who I couldn't tell if he was the guy that ran the whole store or if he just happened to handle the sales or if the two were actually the same thing. It doesn't it doesn't really matter. But he was talking about how he kept a book with his customers. He had about 300 regular yeah. customers and he would keep notes for all of them about what they liked and didn't like because as material came in and there hit right. a point where he was calling customers and just constantly hearing from family members that they died. Wow. And he just couldn't deal with that anymore. So he threw the book away and was like, fuck. <laughs> and so I think... It was just, it was such a tightly focused documentary, but so interesting, this concept of men's fashion and how that intersects with sexuality and how it was this, like, it had this huge cultural impact that a lot of people didn't even necessarily know about. Because, again, if you weren't gay, you probably weren't paying attention to it. The other thing that was interesting is that something like 70% of their sales were to women because it was women who wanted to make their boyfriends or husbands clothing more interesting. And so it also kind of gets at that, like, they bring up Playgirl as well, the magazine, because there was this like, no, like, why is it just women that are sexy? Men's bodies are sexy, too. And so, you know, when Playgirl launched, it was like this. We're doing this for the women. But of course, like, who wrote Playgirl? right <laughs> okay then <laughs> yeah it was not the women that were reading the playgirl so right. i i think for me i really appreciated it as this peek into like it was so big that it made made it into zoolander it made it into seinfeld mm-hmm. but also it feels like it's just completely disappeared from the pop culture and the media consciousness and so getting able to being able to see it and see the impact that it had, and especially from some of the people who were involved, I just, I really enjoyed it. I like documentaries that have, like, super tight focuses, and, like, the more obscure, the better for me. And so this just, like, it ticked all the boxes.
0: Mm.
1: Well, it sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that is all for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us, for sticking with us, despite... (laughs) are we have like monday evening attitude despite recording this on a sunday (laughs) afternoon it makes no sense but anyway if you've enjoyed it please make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts you'll get notified when we release an episode if you have a friend that you think would like it please tell them all about it if you'd like to support us we do have links in our show notes to our coffee and our newsletter sign up
0: or if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites we have links in the show notes for that as well or you can search for Queerly Recommended on Instagram, Facebook, Tumblr, TikTok, and Twitter, or email us at podcast at queerlyrecommended.com. Bye, everyone.
1: Bye. Bye.